Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by Quip. Right now, get your Quip electric toothbrush starting at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini, you can get your first refill pack of brushes for free. Getquip.com slash martini. More on that in just a moment. Jim, uh, you and I are soldiering through yet another major weather event in uh, the Northern Virginia area today. Nothing's actually happening. Uh, In fact, it's going to be in the 50s today and sunny, mind you. Yet my kids have no school and yours have a delay. What do you make of it? Yeah, I just want to note the low for today is 36. (laughs) Not the high. The low. It's going up to 52. I, the only reason I can think of for the delayed opening of Authenticity Woods Public School System schools is that the UV index is moderate, Greg. <laughs> and we don't want the kids getting sunburned waiting at the bus stop. You said yesterday, or maybe two days ago, you could be off for the rest of the month. And so far, you're not wrong. All right, let's move on to our good martini now, Jim. And there's not a lot that's good about this whole Jesse Smollett situation in Chicago. But today's press conference by the superintendent of the Chicago police uh, certainly qualifies as good. This guy was mincing no words. His name is Eddie Johnson. And uh, from start to finish, uh, he was upset, of course, obviously, that there was a hoax here. He's not happy with the media. He's not happy with politicians. Uh, Everybody pretty much got nailed by this guy today, and everybody deserved it. Uh, Four clips here. Here we go. This announcement today recognizes that Empire actor Jesse Smollett took advantage of the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. And we should point out that last night uh, Smollett was charged with a felony count of filing a false police report. Uh, Who knows what else uh, may come because we also found out today uh, definitively that Smollett actually sent uh, a racist letter to himself. Smollett attempted to gain attention by sending a false letter that relied on racial, homophobic, and political language. When that didn't work, Smollett paid $3,500 to stage this attack and drag Chicago's reputation through the mud in the process. And why? This stunt was orchestrated by Smollett because he was dissatisfied with his salary. So he concocted a story about being attacked. As ugly as that is, he wasn't done. He says the people that fan the flames of this story deserve a uh, condemnation, too. To make things worse, the accusations within this phony attack received national attention for weeks. Celebrities, news commentators, and even presidential candidates weighed in on something choreographed by an actor. And he says, man, it's nice to see so many people in the briefing room today. Where are you people when uh, more serious stuff happens? You know, as I look out into the crowd, I just wish that the families of gun violence in this city got this much attention because that's who really deserves the amount of attention that we're giving to this particular incident. So, Jim, for all the lying and obfuscation and and misdirection by Jesse Smollett, uh, this uh, police superintendent uh, was a breath of fresh air today. Greg, as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, this is a great martini. And it's not great that he did this, but I, I as soon as, first of all, within 24 hours of this story coming out, people were saying, you know, really, coldest night of the year? And 
a lot of people are like, this sounded very skeptical. It didn't make sense that something might have happened to Smollett. But things did not shake out the way he described. And oh, by the way, his story kept changing and things like that. My fear at the time, particularly after this year, there was an initial burst of it. All the celebrities weighed in. The presidential candidates weighed in. And I, I had had this as one of my items in my, you know, Unsolved Mysteries uh, column of about two weeks ago featuring, you know, gifts of Robert Stack. And this idea that, look, everybody could kind of tell this looked like a hoax. It's, this did, you know, things did not shake out the way he did. He probably filed a false police report, but that everybody was going to avert their eyes because it's embarrassing and nobody wanted to pursue this. And it turns out the Chicago Police Department, to their credit, absolutely wanted to get this. As far as I'm concerned, Greg, this this takes the burden of the Richard Kimball case off them forever. <laughs> uh, look, Chicago is an extremely democratic city. And you have to wonder, you know, how eager was the Chicago Police Department to, you know, go through all the you know, the legwork that was going to be involved to clear the name of Donald Trump voters, you know. But I think they also had this nagging sense of, you know, this is not a city where this sort of thing happens. We have real problems. And God bless the police chief for pointing out, hey, guys, we have shootings all the time. You know, that really should be a bigger deal than something that may have happened to a celebrity. But they actually stayed on it. They pressured the two guys. They followed the forensics. And bit by bit, the story didn't go away. And it didn't turn into this, you know, Rush Limbaugh used to refer to the drive-by media. You know, you put this story out there. Actor Jesse Smollett says that he was assaulted by two men in Make America Great Hats. And, and this idea of leaving the impression, oh, no, oh, this is terrible. This country is so full of racist, homophobic, hateful, violent people that not even Jesse Smollett, an actor who most of us hadn't heard of, right. walking through Chicago at 2 a.m. on the coldest night in 30 years. By golly, if it could happen to him there, it could happen to him anywhere. Thankfully, it did not happen to him there. And, and this is just a tour de force from the, uh, the the police chief there. I'm glad he called out those who kind of, uh, I think, unquestioningly echoed the the criticisms. And as we you know discussed as this story developed, Greg, there's nothing wrong with hearing somebody's been assaulted and say, oh, my God, that's terrible. That That's such a natural human reaction. I'm not going to give anybody any grief for that. It's that next step. <clears throat> I think it was Ellen Page, the actress who was on one of the late night shows. And she talks about how this this, this shows what Mike Pence was doing. She found the guy, apparently. This idea that this made this grand statement about America and about politics and our culture and all that stuff. And it was all nonsense. And most people who looked at it said, you know, this sounds like nonsense from, from day one. A celebrity is being held accountable. Greg, this is a big deal in this country. We don't always do a good job about this. I think I remember the, you know, Paris Hilton's and Lindsay Lowen's of the world who kept having one, you know, reckless driving thing after another on, on suspended sentence and uh, dismissed charges and stuff like that. Jussie Smollett, you know, as my, my other uh, podcast co-host, Mickey White, keeps emphasizing, look, what he did was evil, right? It's, it's not just, you know, oh, she, he did this to get attention. Lots of people do publicity stunts. He did this to get attention and to pit people against each other, right? He wanted to demonize whites he wanted to demonize straights he wanted to demonize trump voters right he had his villain and he knew this was going to get traction because it was so perfect and it's so aligned with the narrative that a lot of people want to believe in this country and the fact you know the, the, one of the reasons people are like wait a second this doesn't sound right is because it aligned with it too perfectly and oh by the way you know it's the coldest night in 30 years and who in the right mind would be out in that weather so look, you know, first of all, it looks like Smollett is going to face some very serious consequences for this. Apparently, his scenes are already being 
written out of uh, Empire as we speak. Um, look, this is accountability. This is justice. And this might deter the next guy who thinks about doing some sort of stupid stunt. And by the way, some, one of my readers reminded me of this this morning. I think it's, it seems like a perfect historical echo. You know what happened 25 years ago this month, Greg? I do because I read the morning jolt. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was um, uh, Tanya Harding. Yes. And Jeff Galuli whacking, uh, what's her name, on the knee. At this area. Look, don't hire a bunch of amateurs and think you're going to pull off some sort of stunt like this and the cops won't find you. They will, folks. For all of our gripes about, you know, bad, we have the occasional bad cop in this country. We have days where cops don't uh, don't impress us. But man, oh man, good job, Chicago police. You can you can eat a eat a nice uh, Chicago hot dog or a big steak on me next time I'm, I'm I'm out there. Absolutely, or a deep dish. Absolutely, yeah. The deep dish. There you go. <laughs> Except that sets off the deep dish versus New York pizza <laughs> But yeah, great job by the police. Great job by the local media staying on top of the story as well. And I'll tell you, if Eddie Johnson had been the superintendent when uh, the Kimball murder happened. I don't think Sam Gerard would have ever been assigned to the case because the one-armed guy would have been figured out much sooner than that. So um, <laughs> good job. Good job, Chicago PD. All right. Quip toothbrushes. One of the most important things we do for our health every day, in addition to not filing false police reports, is brushing our teeth. Yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Here's what's great about Quip. It has sensitive sonic vibrations, which are gentle enough on your sensitive gums. People brush too hard when they have the manual toothbrushes, and some electric toothbrushes are simply too abrasive. There's also a built-in two-minute timer pulse every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides of your mouth that you're brushing, helping you to guide a full and even clean. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. The multi-use cover mounts to your mirror and unmounts to slide over your bristles for on-the-go brushing. It declutters your sink or cabinet and makes traveling with an electric toothbrush much easier. Quip doesn't require a clunky charger, and it runs for three months on one charge. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just $5. That's because three out of every four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, or ineffective. Next time you're in a car with three other people, take a guess which one of you is using the right kind of bristles, and know that the other three probably aren't. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. Right before we started taping, I ate something and something is stuck in my teeth. As soon as Greg and I finish taping this, I will run upstairs and brush my teeth. That's how good Quip is. It's obvious that we love Quip, and there's good reason. Uh, They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you get your first refill pack of brushes for free with that Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini, getquip.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now because we have another story here where it doesn't appear to be a hoax. This is the Associated Press. A Coast Guard lieutenant who was arrested last week is a domestic terrorist who drafted an email discussing biological attacks and had what appeared to be a hit list that included prominent Democrats and media figures, prosecutors said in court papers. 
Christopher Paul Hassan is due to appear Thursday in federal court in Maryland after his arrest on gun and drug offenses. But prosecutors say those charges are the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Quote, the defendant is a domestic terrorist bent on committing acts dangerous to human life that are intended to affect government conduct, prosecutors wrote. Hassan, who works at the Coast Guard's headquarters in Washington, has espoused extremist views for years, according to prosecutors. Court papers detail a June 2017 draft email in which Hassan wrote that he was, quote, dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on the earth, unquote, and pondering how he might be able to acquire anthrax and toxins to create botulism or a deadly influenza. In the same email, he described an interesting idea, as he puts it, that included, quote, biological attacks followed by attack on food supply, as well as a bombing and sniper attacks, according to court documents. In September 2017, Hassan sent himself a draft letter that he had written to a neo-Nazi leader and identified himself as a white nationalist for over 30 years and advocated for focused violence in order to establish a white homeland. Jim, uh, this is really great news that they caught this guy, but the fact that uh, this person who was serving our country was allowed to marinate in all of this stuff, unknown to most people for quite a long time, is very disturbing. And the fact that he was taking this even beyond what would have been a horrific shooting to influenza and and botulism outbreaks is very disturbing. Yeah, Uh, this guy had grand ambitions, and it's a darn good thing they caught him when they did. Um, Look, you hear from some folks on the right the argument that white nationalist terrorism is a much bigger threat than Islamist terrorism. I don't know if you could say that, and in a country that has suffered the 9-11 attacks, it'll probably be a long time before people really see them as on par. But having said that, that doesn't mean you can just kind of wave your hands or say, "Eh, you know, white nationalist uh, or right-wing terrorism, however you want to classify it is not something worth worrying about. And you, you do hear these complaints of folks who say, oh, this actually has a much bigger following in the U.S. military than you'd expect and a much bigger following apparently even in, in law enforcement circles. Now, I'm not sure how extensive that is. This obviously is the sort of thing people do in secret. It's kind of hard to to get good numbers on it and, and you know, stuff. But something like this does add to the, this, this strength, the strength of this argument. This guy was in the Coast Guard for a long time, been in the Marines, been past service, past service in the military, uh, and apparently was, you know, you talk about a fifth column, somebody who was plotting an attack against American leaders. By the way, Greg, I thought there was a very revealing uh, aspect in the indictment where they listed all these targets. Some of it was, you know, Democratic politicians, not too different from that nutjob down in Florida who was mailing the, the bombs or your know, bomb parts and stuff like that. On his hit list was Don Lemon and Joe Scarborough and a couple of other talking head television show host types. And I think it's really revealing, Greg, that like, so here you are, you want to start a revolution, you're, you're upset with the state of society, you're, you're upset with racial equality, you're ups- upset that we're a diverse country that has lots of different people of different races and cultures and religions, but your, your way of going about it is to attack people on TV. It, the political figures too, but it really is like, oh, if we can go after the, the people who are on my television screen, then we'll, we'll really get some change going. I think it does say something about the power of, of television. People seem to think the people on their television run the world. Uh, You and I have days where we really like uh, Joe Scarborough. We have days we don't like him so much. Uh, We've made fun of Don Lemon a bunch of times. But, you know, Don Lemon does not run the country. (laughs) Don Lemon has no political power. He anchors a show and periodically speculates about black holes eating up the uh, Malaysian airliner. 
it really says something about the mentality of these people that people on television are to them represent the enemy. Um, and maybe some people would say this reflects the uh, Trump rhetoric. The media is the enemy of the people or stuff like that. Just a you know, classically horrifying story. Um, thank God they caught him when they did. And I do think it is, you know, you hope investigators are sniffing around to see, did he have any accomplices or anybody else in his uh, travels or points in his career in the Coast Guard or elsewhere in government service who secretly have these types of views and are uh, thinking about doing something horrific that I think would really shake the country to its core. All right, Jim, let's move on to our crazy martini now. And while we're glad every journalist and hopefully as many people as possible are safe, uh, it doesn't mean that journalists are as smart as we're sometimes led to think that they are. Uh, Or maybe they just have brain fog moments like what we're about to talk about. This was back on Monday, President's Day, and it was the top of the hour. And Katie Turr was throwing it from her show over to Ari Melber. And he simply wished her a happy President's Day, which led to this. Hi, Katie. I wanted to wish you a uh, happy President's Day. You know, it is George Washington's Day here, Washington Day here in New York, unlike the rest of the country, because George Washington, native son of New York. Big up. Big New Yorker. That's right. East Coast. He was known as an East Coast one. He was a he was New York's big papa. No, 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 he wasn't. Most Americans should know that, that George Washington is from Virginia. Uh, you and I certainly know it well because uh, we live in the area, but most people know that even without coming to the area. Mount Vernon, pretty famous spot. Uh, the legend about him throwing the silver dollar across the Potomac. Jim, uh, what do you make of this? Neither one of them catching the air. Well, would you say he was an East Coaster? You ever look at a map of the colonies? <laughs> that, that, that was the country there. That... <laughs> There weren't a lot of West Coast colonists uh, back in the Revolutionary War. You could argue there was a Western frontier, but there you really didn't. Look, and I know Hamilton, the the musical that I loved and lots of people raved about. A lot of people loved the way it incorporated hip hop uh, into the story of America's founding. Um, But little known fact, Greg, it turns out that there was not a big East Coast, West Coast rap battle. (laughs) Uh, amongst the founding fathers there there was no you know west side you know ben franklin unless you know at the time he was in paris so i guess you could say he was in the western europe sort of <laughs> the second thing Mount vernon like you know i've taken the kids there a couple times maybe look maybe you're not from the area and all that kind of stuff and i suppose I, I will give katie Turr this like again molecule of sympathy george washington was sworn into office of the presidency right down nearby wall street right? yes so yes capital of the country back then was manhattan a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, France's Tavern down in uh, the Battery, second oldest building in uh, Manhattan Island, and it's where uh, Washington said farewell to his officers. And, and you know, there's, Washington was around there, and so I, I suppose you could, you know, get into that. She doesn't really get into that. I'm going to make her, you know, again, if you watch Hamilton, you'd, you'd kind of know this stuff, and a lot of folks did. Uh, if you know, listen to the, the soundtrack, uh, there was the old Barry Bostwick TV series back in the 80s. That was pretty good. Um, I'm watching AMC's Turn and loving it. Uh, great performance of Washington there by Ian Kahn. Um, but uh, here's the final thing. If you really want to get the story, uh, Greg, obviously, you know, I'm reading because I enjoyed the Hamilton musical. I'm reading Ron Chernow's Hamilton book. It's great. It's really detailed. It's like 500 some pages. So I know I've got a ways to go in that one. But after that, Ron Chernow also wrote a book about Washington. He also wrote a book about Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, and I believe John Rockefeller. Um, And I believe in the fifth book, Greg, Nick Fury recruits all of them into the Avengers. So it really looks (laughs) like a great series. 
But it makes you think, you know, when you watch TV, you assume uh, people are informed. And this is just a lighthearted conversation between shows. Uh, nothing massive is going to change because she goofed up where George Washington was from. But when you assume people know what they're talking about on more substantive stories, events like this make you wonder how much uh, these people really do know sometimes. Yeah, it really is a fair question of, uh, look, when, as I'm reading this, uh, the turnout book, the, all, all the different things you learn about history that you didn't know. Um, I think one of the reasons that, you know, Hamilton was this huge hit was because there were all these aspects of his like Most people hadn't even heard about the sex scandal. Uh, most people didn't realize I think, the giant battle between how much uh, power should be with the states and how much power should be with the central government, assuming death. You know, the, 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 the founding is fascinating. Um, the Civil War, like there are large chunks of American history. No matter how much you think you know, crack you know crack a book on it that you haven't read before, and there's a good chance you're going to learn something new. So I hope all journalists have a spirit of curiosity and a periodic reminder that um, there's always more to learn, particularly <laughs> about American history. And but hey, you know what? If a gaffe like this gets you and I talking about this, maybe it did some good. Jim, enjoy your unnecessary snow day, and we'll talk again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to tune in again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. In the meantime, get over to Quip. Get over to getquip.com slash martini. Get your first refill pack of brushes for free. Getquip.com slash martini.